This is your humble soliloquist, Isaac R. Dust, a.k.a. Bob D. And the proximate cause uh, leading up to doing another podcast, which, as usual, has been, you know, it's been an incredible amount of time between the last time I did this and this time. It does feel like um, most of my podcasts over the last several years have been sort of getting back on the horse podcasts where I just talk about how long it's been since I've podcasts and why that is and so forth. But, um, so all that's true, but the, the proximate cause is, uh, yesterday's world cup final. So I'm recording this on December 19th, 2022. Yesterday we had Argentina versus France in the world cup final. And like a lot of people who are soccer fans, um, that'll go down, of course, as one of the great World Cup finals of all time. Myself, I am such a a Lionel Messi fan. Uh, I've been following his career basically for the whole thing. For the past 15 years, it's been my really my only sports indulgence. When I was a kid, I used to really take it to heart when my teams lost. Uh, I remember a preseason game between the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. Now, I'm from New York, but uh, I was a Denver Bronco fan for a host of complicated reasons that I won't get into. But So I was a Denver Bronco fan, and I could never see them on TV because you would always have to watch the local games, the Giants or the Jets. And so when the Jets and the Broncos were playing in a preseason game and I could actually watch it, I was so excited actually be able to see a full game and again it's a preseason game it meant nothing and they lost and I just remember being devastated and crying and of course from my adult perspective that seems ridiculous and uh yeah I just I've never fully you know respected that sort of attachment to uh to being um, a sports fan, but I, I just have to be honest and admit that when it comes to Lionel Messi, whether when he was playing for Barcelona or his his exploits with the Argentinian national team, I've just cared for whatever reason. I can't justify it. I can't. I know that, you know, a soccer is not important in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, neither is anything else really that I'm into, like music or podcasting or you know, you, you could take that perspective on anything. But I, I just found myself yesterday caring a lot about the outcome of the game. I wanted Messi to be kissing that World Cup trophy more than I've wanted anything in a very long time. And so, even though I'm an atheist, at one point in the match, when it looked like things were slipping away, Argentina was up 2 0. We're getting on close to the 80th minute of the game. And then uh, Argentina gives away a, a penalty. Uh, Kylian Mbappe for France scores. And it's 2 to 1. And now now it's on. You know, now anything could, could happen to, uh, to ruin the game and ruin this dream. And I just started to feel like, oh my God, this is going to happen. 
Messi's finally going to win the World Cup. Or he's almost there. And then, of course, um, Mbappe scores again like a minute later. It's 2-2. Two to two. It looks for all the world like they're, they're going to blow it. And now we're going to have the, instead of the, you know, cementing Messi's legacy as the greatest player of all time and the and the, this whole story just in, in a minute now it goes to you know the greatest choke job of all time and how, and how Argentina is going to blow it and uh, yeah so I even though I'm an atheist I I asked God just give me this God and if you if you give me this if you just you have Messi hoisting the trophy at the end of this this game I will, I will give you something. And of course, I know this is an absolutely ridiculous thing to even think, but, you know, we motivate ourselves in mysterious ways. So I promised God as an atheist that I would finally completely commit to, quote unquote, heading the gong if he just were to give me this uh, moment and give this moment to Lionel Messi, which of course, the non-existent he did and uh, so here I am. Um, I am. I'm keeping my end of the bargain. And of course, what does heading the gong mean? I mean, that's the name of this podcast. And so, anyone that's listening to this, which is probably just me in the future, uh, we know what it means. It's just trying to live the best possible life you can to commit to uh, expressing your intentions as fully and courageously as possible. And for me, that means engagement in my creative pursuits, which really I haven't been doing, which is why I made uh, this this promise to quote-unquote God, which is obviously just another way of um, just, you know, making a commitment to my deeper self to get back on the horse, as I, as I tend to say on these podcasts. So, so anyway, here I am uh, after the game. The game was in the morning, uh, my time. It was, you know, like from 8 to 10. And I just spent the entire day indulging in the post-game stuff. And again, I know this is, it's it's silly. I mean, I, I remember years ago, those of you who are American football fans might remember that the um, the New England Patriots had this perfect season through the regular season, and they played the New York Giants in the Super Bowl. Of course, the Patriots were heavy favorites. And um, even though I, I'm a Denver Bronco fan, the rest of my family is a are diehard New York Giant fans. And that was one of those games for them. I mean, it was this miraculous underdog, incredible victory. The Giants win the Super Bowl. And I remember my brother... I believe I was wasn't there, um, because yeah, I wouldn't have been there not for the Super Bowl because I'm there sometimes Christmas, sometimes um, on Thanksgiving. But I remember being on the phone and congratulating them, and my brother was in tears. My older brother, he was crying, and he just talked about what it meant to have this moment with his kids the way the ups and downs they went through, the the way they felt at the end of the game, uh, coming together as a family. Uh, even though it's around something as seemingly insignificant as sports, just it meant so much to him. And he's not a sentimental guy that he was in tears. And I felt that way yesterday. Now, I wasn't surrounded by my family. At one point, my wife came in. She had to actually go to an engagement. And it was right 
she comes in and sees me watching the game and it's right as uh everything's falling apart i believe that it was an extra time and even after the the horror show of of blowing the two goal lead messi scores in in the extra time there's 10 minutes to go argentina's up 3-2 i'm running around like a crazy person and then just you know a few minutes later mbappe scores another penalty and and I'm just, I, I can't even believe this, the ups and downs. And I am ranting and raving like a lunatic. And my wife is laughing because she just, she doesn't normally see this this side to me. And she just can't believe how invested I am in that. And anyway, so she ends up leaving. And But throughout the game, I was connected with my family, interestingly enough. So because of the odd timing of the World Cup final, it was playing out, the group stages were playing out over Thanksgiving break when I was home. And so I was enjoying watching the games with uh, with uh, my mother, my brother, my nephews. And so they knew that I was this diehard Lionel Messi fan and I was pulling for Argentina. And they may have had their own reasons to also pull for Argentina. But so my little nephew was texting me during the game uh, as it was unfolding and, and, uh, my mom and my siblings were texting back and forth as all this, this chaos of the lead being blown and then taken back and then given away again. And then the penalty shootout. So I was in this modern way, enjoying the, this experience with my family. And, uh, for some reason I felt sort of at the center of it in that, you know, they know I'm the the biggest soccer fan in the family and the hugest messy fan. And, and so it was, yeah, it was a great experience. And then when I was, was watching all these videos of the, the reactions, I just couldn't get enough. I just, anything that had to do with talking about the game or showing the reactions of the fans and the people in Buenos Aires. And, um, again, now you're seeing people that are now have this, the same attachment, the same sense of wanting, uh, wanting this, thing to just go go for Lionel Messi just that wanting things to unfold in such a way that he ends up having this experience because Messi part of why I have had this attachment to him is is you know something about his character he's this shy little quiet guy but um you know he's really the antithesis of uh Cristiano Ronaldo who is the guy that the debate was always who's better Ronaldo or Messi and to my mind you know Ronaldo's the villain you know he's this this vain egocentric type of dude uh whereas Messi is more of this humble quiet guy and for whatever reason you know I I so I picked sides early and was a was a Messi fan but when you're watching the the Argentinian fans they not only have that but of course then they have nationalism and the and the sense of wanting their country to win it and and all the economic issues that Argentina is hap- that's going through and you see this is some one thing that's unifying the whole country and that they can just sort of set aside all these political and economic things and just just all come together and experience joy and that's where i think the whole sports thing maybe it's not as silly as uh, i make it out to be because it's strange, like, you know, again, if you just look at, you know, there's just a bunch of guys playing a child's game, kicking a ball through through these two goals, and it seems so insignificant. But really anything 
can seem insignificant when you look at it that way. I mean, you could just take music and Bach and just say, oh, it's just little sounds. I mean, who cares? You know what I mean? Why, why would this possibly be significant? But there is something, there's something there. And it's, for me, it's because I, you know, I played soccer as my number one hobby from the time I was seven years old and all the way through high school. And really, I still do. I mean, I'm still out there um, when I'm on recess duty at the elementary school. Uh, I still have a lot of the, the skills despite my advanced age. And I just love, I still just love playing. And so there's that just love of the game and love of the feeling that I get engaging in it and the, the nostalgia, the childhood stuff. Um, so that's a part of it. Uh, there, but there's also this sense that I don't get often, which is connection and community. Because I'm not big on nationalism or any kind of identitarianism. You know, I don't identify with a group when it comes to really anything, nation, race, religion, culture. Uh, I don't, you know, other than family, uh, I just don't have that sense of uh, identifying with a group of people. It's not strong in me. I resist it for, you know, whatever personality reasons and philosophical reasons. But there's something about uh, not only, you know, I'm, of course, not the only one that wanted this man, Lionel Messi, to win the World Cup. There were literally millions, if not, you know, billions even, I don't know, people that wanted the same thing, even people that weren't fans of Argentina that just, they wanted, you know, this fairy tale ending, you know, the for the good guy to win for once. And I could kind of sense that. I mean, even though the the World Cup was in Qatar, the Argentinian fans were overwhelming in the crowd. And I, I do think that even the, the casual soccer fan will just know, you know, Lionel Messi is one of the best of all time. And a lot of times when players get to the end of their career, whether it's Roger Federer or, you know, even even guys I'm not a fan of, like, say, Tom Brady, I always find myself rooting a little bit for the older guy who's about to call it quits, the person at the end of their career. Now, in Brady's case, not as much because he had already won things, but especially if there's a situation like this where Messi had ne- he'd won basically everything except the World Cup, and you knew how much it would mean to him. And you also know just how random things are. There's so many points throughout that game that could have went the way for France. And once you get to that penalty shootout, there's so much luck involved. And uh, just to have it, to know that it wasn't just me, it was also my nephew, my mom, my brother, my sister, uh, and just millions and hundreds of millions of other people that were pulling in this one direction. So despite the fact that it's just just a sports thing, that sense of connection and you know so many people wanting the same thing and being invested in the same thing, however insignificant that thing is. Uh, that's really where the poignance was for me, especially watching the people's reaction to it. Um, so yeah, it was just, you know, I just can't apologize for it anymore. It was, it was amazing. I'm, I'm still unbelievably fucking stoked that it happened. I almost can't believe it. It just seems 
you know, when you want something that bad, especially the way the game played out where it seemed to be taken away so many times and, um, and to actually have it happen, you're just thinking, wait a minute, is this, is this real? So yeah, so I'm, I'm really elated. And of course, um, yeah, I mean the whole thing about me bargaining with, with God and saying that, you know, just give me this and I'll head the gong. Obviously that's been on my mind anyway. I was looking for an excuse to sort of re-up my commitment to getting back into my creative projects. And so, I mean, the, the podcasting, as I've said many times, is very much like writing where it's just something that's, um, that focuses my mind. There's that, you know, that saying, I don't even know who said it, that it's, it's the way to, to find out what you're thinking when you write or when you speak with intention, you, yeah, you find out what's really on your mind in a more clear way. And especially these days, and I know I've harped on this a lot too in previous episodes, but the effects of technology, um, I mean, I'm so not immune. I think things have gotten a lot worse actually over the past, whatever, however long it's been since the last podcast, I've, you know, slipped into even worse habits and it really does cloud your mind. It affects the quality of your intention such that like you're no longer as connected to those deep intentions. You just can't kind of make out the signal anymore. And so the things you choose to do or just continue to indulge in these, these, you know, shallow dopamine hits and you don't even, you just stop caring whether or not you're carrying forward whatever project you are working on. And then it's easy to, then your mind just starts coming up with, with excuses like, uh, well, who cares? You know, wh- why should I care about writing music or writing anything? I mean, what's it all mean anyway? It's all a bunch of waste of time and I might as well just enjoy myself in this moment, which, you know, in that moment means watching another six YouTube videos while I slouch on the couch. So, so this has been building for a while and, uh, yeah. So once again, getting back on the horse, what can I tell you? Um, I am on winter break from school. I have this amazing home studio set up since I've last spoken. Um, I've also indulged in, in what they call gas gear acquisition syndrome. And I'm to this strange point now where I basically have every single thing I could ever want. Cause now that I, you know, have a decent amount of money, I, I'm, I'm just like every guitar pedal, every little mixer thing, I just have gotten it all. And you get that little thrill of a new piece of gear. And then eventually you realize, well, what's the point of it? If you're not, if it's not going to be a tool for you to use and play and be creative with. And, um, and once I had all the pedals and little gadgets that I, that I needed, I, I told myself, well, what's the number one thing that I do? And that's play the acoustic guitar. And I, you know, I don't even really have a great acoustic guitar. And I've got this Takamini that's pretty good that I've had for 20 years. And, uh, one of the things that has kept me from buying a super high end acoustic guitar, like a Martin or something is that, you know, you have to baby these things or you feel like you should baby them. And then you're worried about the humidity and should I leave it out of the case? And what if I scratch it? 
And so I'd rather just have a shitty guitar that I can play than some great thing that I'm going to worry about. So while I was thinking about all that, I somehow came across a company called Rainsong that makes carbon fiber guitars. And um, so uh, they look just like, you know, a regular guitar. And I, I eventually got one um, to cut to the chase. It just looks like a, a guitar, but the beauty of it is um, that you can just leave it out. I mean, you can play it outside. No humidity and temperature swings affect it at all. The tuning, there's not, they're not going to crack. I mean, so you just basically don't have to worry about it. And the thing looks beautiful. It sounds great. And yeah, it was more expensive than any of my other guitars, but so I ordered one and you can't, you know, you can't get your hands on it in advance because the company's like from Oregon or something and there's no, no re outlets here or near where I am. So anyway, I just ordered it. I opened it up and I'm, I've been in love with the damn thing and, uh, I've been playing it, uh, a lot, but, um, yeah, so I've got this great studio. I've got all these fun toys and immediately when the winter break hit, I just kept thinking, well, what else am I going to buy? You know, I mean, as a, almost as a way to avoid the creative act of jumping into the creative process. I just, you know, I thought about buying an, an SM7B microphone. I mean, I've, I've already got plenty of microphones. I'm speaking into a sure SM86, which is a kind of obscure microphone that not many people use, but I've got your typical mics, your SM58, your SM57, which was my first one. I've got a couple condenser mics. It's just me in the studio. I don't, I don't need all these other toys. And it just hit me, you know, I got to play with the toys that I have and really jump in. And, and the, the problem with, you know, having a full-time job and losing track sometimes of your, your creative pursuits is that that so much time can go by that I literally forget how to use the stuff that I have. Once I'm in it, like during the longer breaks, like the summer break or the two weeks that I had off in the, in the fall, like I get into all my stuff and you're, you know, you've got everything wired in a certain order and your pedal boards and your mixers and your recording setup, And you, it doesn't dawn on you because everything is clicking that if I don't keep doing this, I'm going to forget like what I'm doing. And so that's, that's where I'm at now. And even songs, you know, I've been playing my acoustic guitar and playing, you know, kind of the same four or five, six songs. And I've just forgotten a ton of other stuff. So I really look forward to over the spray kind of jumping back into that. So we'll see. Um, let's see the, the one other thing that, that I've been thinking about that I just meant to discuss whenever I turn the microphone on, uh, again was um, something else that occurred to me. One of the changes I've had in my life is my father-in-law has been staying at my house really for like uh, a week, a week and a half, every single month. He's uh, it's he's a retired guy, but he's he's come and he's staying here because he's working with my wife at her place of employment. And so he's here a lot. And, I, and it, I'm somebody who absolutely feels like, um, I need my own space. I need my own routines. And when someone's visiting, 
I'm just on edge. Like it just kind of stresses me out. I can't quite relax. And I'm used to having, uh, this place to retreat to, you know, when I work, I've got, you know, 400 elementary school kids clamoring for my attention. And when I come home, I, I just like to completely not have to take other humans into account. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't have kids and my wife and I just have, you know, we have our, we just have our routine where, cause she lets me do my thing. So having someone in the house so much who doesn't normally live here has just really stressed me out. And I've really been unable to get over it, you know, just rolling with a change in the routine. And that had me thinking and, and, and other experiences. Like when I travel, uh, I struggle because again, I'm out of my normal comfort zone. Um, and I think this is just one of the downsides of living your life exactly the way you want to live it. Like we adapt to our surroundings. So, you know, take just a silly example. So I'm used to having just my own bathroom. And so when my father-in-law is here, I give up my bathroom and then my wife and I are sharing a bathroom. And then I've gotten so used to just never having to account for anyone else ever needing to use the bathroom and being able to spend as much time as I want in there that when I can't do that, it's like distressing to me. Like it, it throws me, it throws me off. Like I, I have a harder time rolling with the punches and rolling through changes because I'm just so spoiled usually and have this world that I want. I mean, I often talk about the importance of attention and that the quality of your attention is the quality of your own life. And one of the things that's great about living in an environment like my house where I don't have like the TV blasting all the time like I did as a kid, because I'm not subject to like my dad watching TV or listening to country music on the radio, like constantly, I don't have to adapt to that. That stuff used to throw me off and, and mess with my equanimity. And so when I'm home, I can just, in my own house, I can just turn all that off. And I've gotten used to not having to deal with a lot of external distractions. And so when there's a change in the routine, I've lost a lot of resiliency. A trivial example of this is when I go to the airport and I'm just looking for a place to sit and I'll sit somewhere and then CNN will be blaring from some TV screen and it drives me insane. Like I can't sit there and do anything with that thing in the background because I would never have that something like that going on at my house. So I, I haven't had to adapt to having like this ads in the background. I mean, that's another example. I can't even tolerate commercials now because I haven't had to listen to them in so long because I, I can just subscribe to things without ads and I'll, I'll pay for the YouTube with no ads and I'll pay for anything to, to avoid the ads. Cause I find the ads like just like a brain rape experience at this point. And that sounds good. Like, yeah, I'm, my mind is now cleansed of having ads and I don't have to listen to CNN blaring in the background. But then when I'm in a position where I have to do that, 
I'm not as resilient. I'm not as flexible. I can't just roll with the new change to my environment. So whereas other people can just somehow sit there and read, despite the fact that CNN's blaring in the background, I just can't do it. I mean, I have to like find some little corner in the, uh, in the airport somewhere where, where I'm not hearing that. And that's a weakness. It's a downside. It's a trade-off of living your life in your own little curated world where you've set it up just how you want to set it up. You know, you don't have to you know, listen to someone's music when you're trying to sleep. You don't have to uh, somehow focus on reading something with someone else listening to something in the background. Uh, whenever I have to go to the bathroom, I can just go and spend 20 minutes in there if I want to, because I don't have to factor in that, that I'm, uh, that someone else may need to get in there. And so then when I'm thrown into a new situation, my stress level goes up, I'm tense, I'm, I'm not as flexible. And I don't know, I think like everybody else, I just need to uh, have both of those things. I need to put myself in these uncomfortable situations more so that I have more of a capacity because then you eventually you just try, you almost start to avoid anything that's going to knock you out of your comfort zone. Like I even think of travels. Like I, I used to think, Oh, I might want to go to Ireland or this or that. And now all I think about is how annoying it would be to be on a plane for that long, listening, you know, the people coughing next to you and Oh, and then I'm going to be, you know, jet lagged when I get there. So that half the time I'll spend in Ireland will just be me not being able to sleep and I'll be a zombie and then I'll have like two days left to enjoy the thing. And then I'll have to be back on a plane. And why would I want to bother with all that? Just to, you know, say I went to Ireland. So anyway, this is just a, just a random thing I was sort of thinking about that I need to I need to put myself in situations that, that knock myself out of the comfort zone so that I have the capacity to do it and the will to do it. And I don't know what that means vis-a-vis my creativity because I already know I have these tendencies. Like I don't ever want to perform music or anything because, well, why would I? That's stressful. I mean, I can just have all the enjoyment of playing music with none of the stress just by sitting here in my, in my studio by myself. And, um, some of that's just, that can be dispelled by moments of deep honesty because it's so easy to lie to yourself and justify whatever it is you're doing with, uh, you just use your reason in the service of, of maintaining your own personal status quo. And the truth of the matter is there's a whole other enjoyable, beautiful, musical experience that comes from sharing your gifts with others or playing music with other people. And that's going to come with a certain level of awkwardness and stress and anxiety that has to be overcome if you want to, if you want to take a bite out of that apple. So anyway, these are uh, some of the things going through my mind. Um, I think I'm just going to sign off now. I've been blabbing on for about a half an hour. It's been a while since I've done this. And it's another thing that if you stop doing it, you, you get less good at it. So, um, if extemporaneous podcasting is something I'm interested in doing, I need to do it more. Same with writing, same with playing music. 
uh, as always at the end of these get, um, get back on the horse type episodes. We'll, we'll see if the past is an indication of the future, then I'll be checking in again in several months and explaining why I was not able to, uh, to head the gong after all, but who knows if Messi can win the world cup, uh, maybe I can, uh, start living my life a little more in line with my values and intentions. So that's it for now. Take care.